0: Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast, brought to you by Barclays. What did we learn about the Barclays Premier League this weekend? That Jose Mourinho is still the special one. We love the big games. We love the big games.
1: Obviously, when you love it, maybe you feel extra motivated for that.
0: That Charlie Adams' two goals against the champions show that he's back to his best.
2: Man United's great, you know, and if we can keep performing to that level, then we'll be OK at the
0: end of the season. And that after an unbelievable Tyne where derby, Adam Johnson is key to Sunderland staying up.
3: I haven't changed one thing in particular where, where I've thought oh, I've changed that. It's just being sort of gone my, my way. Just adds a bit extra special to the day, obviously, being on your, your rivals' ground.
0: Black Cats legend Marco Gabbiadini joins us to explain how Gus Poyet has turned the tide in the Northeast. Stoke hero Charlie Adams speaks to us exclusively after rewriting the record books against Manchester United. We talk to Liverpool legend John Barnes and Southampton starlet James Ward Prowse. Plus, we hear from Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, Victor Inichibi, and Shane Long. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. I'm Dave Farrar and joining me to look back at another weekend of top flight action is the former Norwich City and Nigeria striker Efen Okoku. Efen, another unpredictable weekend of results. So many of those this season. Uh, and that was after what was a relatively subdued transfer deadline day, I thought, on Friday. Zuma to Chelsea will happen at the end of the season. It's been done now. Uh, Zahab Mitroglu, Ince, you could mention. Uh, Liam Bridkin at Sunderland, too. I mean, what stood out for you?
4: Uh, the Mitroglu one is an interesting one, I think, for a guy who's spent all his career playing in Greek football, all of a sudden now to spend a, a lot of money on him for a team that is right there at the, at the bottom now, uh, subsequently bottom of the league. I think it's a huge gamble. Um, personally, I don't think that Fulham can stay up. I think the die has been cast already. Um, so he's a guy who's coming into a struggling side. I'm not sure that he'll be able to make much of an impact. Obviously, yeah, young Zuma coming to Chelsea. That's uh, that's been sort of mooted for a while, hasn't it? So looking forward to seeing him playing. Zaha just needs football, doesn't he? Going from Man United, you know, to Cardiff. So it'd be uh, be interested to see whether he can really flourish and uh, show David Moyes and Man United what they're really missing.
0: And throughout the. Season- Season, of course, we're looking for the standout moments of sportsmanship and spirit in the game through our You Are Football hashtag campaign. Any any particular examples of that this weekend, F? Uh, yeah, the Palace
4: fans away at the Emirates who uh, have been tremendous um, all season. I've been there a few times. I'm there again this weekend. Uh, you know, But considering their team uh, hardly must have shot on target that were outplayed most of the game, really kept behind them. So Steve Parrish you know, can be really proud of the way they played. Tony Pulis has done a great job, and the fans, of course, have helped them
0: all the way. Yeah, they've been terrific. I somehow knew you were going to say that as well, just to pick that out from the weekend. There's only uh, one place to start. That's at the Etihad on Monday night, where a Jose Mourinho masterclass ended Manchester City's 100% home record this season, as he led his Chelsea side to a superbly crafted 1-0 win, and it was fully deserved, wasn't it? They hit the woodwork three times, and they got the key goal through Ivanovic.
4: Yeah, I couldn't believe, really, that they were able to stifle Man City so easily. I think some of that real decisiveness in in the final third, especially in around the box of Sergio Aguero, who was missing big time with his hamstring injury. And uh, David Luiz, uh, Matic in the middle of the park, William, arguably the three best players on the field and once Chelsea got that first goal I couldn't see Man City really getting back on level terms and going on to win the game because Chelsea do what they do best in terms of grinding out victories and the Mourinho side's
0: were able to do it time after time. Well, let's hear now from Jose Mourinho, who really couldn't have had any more praise for his men afterwards.
1: They did amazing. When the team needed, Peter was there. Ivanovic, as a defender, to score that goal is fantastic. The central defenders were immaculate. Aspiliqueta against Spiri Gonzalez because Jesus is unbelievable fast. The midfield players they work fantastic, and the attacking players they were always dangerous. And um, when the team uh, lost the ball, they all sacrificed for the team, and everybody gave a great contribution. Imagine them. Baba, he come to the game for a few seconds because I was, I was expecting uh, Johar to come for a last corner and I was telling Demba you go and you mark Johar in every set piece. Uh, Johar didn't go but he went to the space and the last corner is Demba that wins the ball in, in the air so even the guy that played one minute gave a contribution
0: and that's a fantastic feeling for the team. Well, Effin, as Mourinho said, a real team performance, a classic old-school Chelsea performance, but any one player that stood out for you? I thought David Luiz was excellent.
4: Top-class all-round performance, and uh, Petr Cech, who had almost no saves to make, he saves brilliantly from Jovetic in the last minute. So Chelsea uh, really have the bit between their teeth. It's a question of now who slips up the fewer times between now and the end of the campaign between those two sides, that I've not been disrespectful to Arsenal, but I don't think that they can put in that kind of performance. So for me, it's Man City and Chelsea, you know, it's uh, their title to fight out.
0: So how does Mourinho, as an ex-player, always get the best out of his players when it matters? They double over City and, you know, barely anyone else has troubled them. I know there were the Mm. games earlier in the season, but a double over City and unbeaten against the top four this season. How does he do it?
4: Well, against that kind of side, against the Man City or Barcelona, the real uh, open, attractive sides... It becomes a clash of styles. You know, sport is, is all about that clash of style. More often than not, we'll say that in individual sports, something like boxing, but with team sport, it can work as well. Just that a willingness to work for the team, you know, that camaraderie that is able to generate is is special. And very few coaches are able to really muster that and to get highly paid players to sacrifice themselves, you know, to be selfless.
0: Enough, And that's why um, his his record is so good. Yeah, the boxing analogy is a good one, isn't it? The power of the counterpuncher. We Mm. see it from Chelsea uh, uh, under Mourinho and and every time they play, really. As for City, the defeat moves Chelsea level on points with them in the table. Manager Manuel Pellegrini was asked afterwards if the Londoners were a bit fortunate to play them at a time when they had injuries.
1: No, 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 I don't think it's, it's luck. I don't agree with... Talking about luck because it was a very close game. The option, the clear option, we have, we didn't score, especially from the first 20 20-25 minutes. Then they scored the goal and and they keep. They have all the opportunities also to win the title, same as us, Arsenal or all the other three teams that are fighting for the title.
0: Is it as simple as this that we can mythologise Mourinho all we like, but City didn't have two of their best players, Fernandinho in the centre midfield pulled yeah. out just before the Big game, miss. and arguably one of the top three strikers in the world, Kunaguero not available. I mean, is is it as simple as that?
4: No. It's not. Those two guys were a big miss because I felt like Yaya Torre, as well as he played, he didn't quite get things going in the final third. But I thought, um, you know, him competing physically with Matic and David Luis and Ramirez, he did his best. But playing. Uh, De Michaelis alongside him, who's not at that level in terms of uh, energy around the field, you know, so Fernandinho's uh, loss was huge, and of course at Aguero, we knew he'd be missing a game anyway, but also I think, you know, missing someone like Nasri as well, a little bit of uh, variety uh, to Navas's speed on the other flank, you know, just would have given Chelsea just those few extra problems, so yes, you know, they'll miss one or two players, you know, Mourinho of course will say, well, we were missing Fernando Torres and, you know, we'd like to have one or two other players as well available, but no, you know, there's nothing between the two sides and it's going to go right down to the last game or two.
0: Hazus Navas if from now on will forever be known as Speedy González. Yeah. So Next few league matches, then Norwich away. This is for Manchester City. Norwich away, Sunderland home, Stoke at home, and Chelsea, Newcastle home, West Brom away, Everton at home. I mean, Everton for Chelsea is difficult. The rest of them look eminently winnable for both. Uh, Chelsea then have done the double over City this season. They're just two points off the top, but Josie Mourinho's been explaining where the balance of power lies between the top three.
1: Two big horses and, and a little horse. A little horse that still needs milk and... Uh... And work and learn how to jump and, you know, two big horses and, and a nice horse. A horse that next season
0: we can we can race. So there you go. They always say it's a Grand National, not a sprint. <laughs> what do you make of that? Just just mind games. But fun, though, fun. I mean, he always yeah. comes up with one, doesn't he? And, and that's it for this season now. Chelsea are the little horse against yeah.
4: two big horses. Mm, Chelsea, the um, the poor relations to Manchester City, they've only spent close to two billion, is it? You know, Roman and over ten years and Manchester City close to one billion. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Chelsea are underdogs, aren't they? That surely, surely they can't win the league under Jose Mourinho. With all this success, you just can't happen, can it?
0: Absolutely, well, one thing's for sure is things are pretty stable at Chelsea and they'll make hay for the rest of the season. You can get in touch with your own puns, uh, but probably don't bother. Um, So, still sitting above both Manchester City and Chelsea in top spot are Arsenal, who on Sunday saw off a resolute Crystal Palace side 2 0 at the Emirates, thanks to a double strike from the very impressive Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. Let's hear from the young England man now, who's delighted to be back and playing again.
4: It's always an amazing feeling to score a goal, um, especially at a stadium like the Emirates. So,
3: you know, I'm glad that I can give back to the fans. See, I've been off the pitch for a while, so it's nice to come back and, uh, you know, help
5: the team uh, with two goals and to and get a good win.
0: So really interesting thing about Arsenal. and Wilshere, Ramsey, Flamini, all unavailable. Chaelstrom signed, but, you know, not available because everyone's talked about it because of the injury. And then, lo and behold, they need someone in central midfield. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain comes back in time to play there and, and runs the game and is sensational. Wenger is either getting lucky or it's preparation, but he always has someone to play that key role.
4: I can't remember who said it, but you know, the the, the more I practice, you know, the luckier I Gary get. Gary Player. You know, so obviously Arsenal do great things on the training ground. Uh, the young players are very mature, and you know that's one of the things I'll say about Oxlade-Chamberlain is that he seems very mature for a guy of his tender years. Um, but, yeah one of the interesting things about Oxlade-Chamberlain is that you know he doesn't give the ball away. I watched him very early on in his Arsenal career. Uh, for me he's one of the best young English players in the league right now, along with Adam Lalana of Southampton. So if those two guys maintain a level I'm sure that they'll go to
0: the World Cup. It was an important win as well for Arsenal F and with the fixtures they've got coming up. They've got Liverpool mm. away, then Manchester United at home in, in pretty quick succession and, and plus Bayern in the in the Champions League so they need to win these games and sort of do it bloodlessly and that's what they did. Yeah, I think every time over the last couple of seasons, when Arsenal
4: have flattered to the sea, if you like, and started the season well, sometimes been leading the league by quite a few points there's always been a little period in the season whether it's been sort of November, December time where they've had a crunch period of games and and this is it, you know, as you said, play Liverpool and Man United plus buy Munich in quick succession. So they will have to be at their best and need all their players available as many as they can. Um, their record against, you know, these top sides is not always particularly good and that's what stopped them, from, I think, from really winning the title in the last few seasons. So come out in the positive with that and then play Man City and Chelsea. And then,
0: yes, you know, they will believe. And as for Palace, a battling display. They remain just outside the bottom three despite that defeat. Manager Tony Pulis says there's a good belief in his squad. The spirit of the players and, and the commitment of the players and the togetherness of the, of the players is brilliant. And we can bring, like I say,
4: a couple more players into it now, which will help us. I think Ledley in midfield, I think he's a good pass to the ball and keeps things ticking over well. But he'll score a goal. And Glen Murray's not far away neither. And we need, you know, goals in the team without a question for that.
0: Well, Cameron Jerome could have uh, equalised as well. It was a terrific save by Sir Chesney, a diving header from him, uh, and that would have made things different. What, I mean, what about Palace? Pulis took the job, it would seem, on the promise that he'd be able to add in the transfer window, and yeah. Steve Parrish has been good, true to his word. Uh, Tom Ince, a good signing for him? I think so. Just a little bit more creativity
4: um, on the flank, that ability to come inside and score goals. Jason Puncher has done very well for him. The longer the season they've, they've gone on, and they've had that belief, uh, that ability to um, not leak as many goals. And Tony Pulis' record, I think, is something like half the amount of goals they conceded in a similar number of games to when Ian Holloway was in charge. So that just tells you why Palace all of a sudden are in the mix uh, for staying up. Just 15
0: goals scored, though. That's got to improve, you feel, if they're going to stay up. Uh, Coming up, we'll be speaking exclusively to the conqueror of Manchester United at the weekend, Stoke City's Charlie Haddon. You're listening to the official Barclays Premier League podcast with Dave Farrar. Go to windswept Britannia Stadium next where Stoke recorded their first league victory over Manchester United since 1984 thanks to two Charlie Adams strikes. So what does it feel to be the first Stoke match winner over United for 30 years? We can find out. Uh, Welcome to the show, Charlie. Are you okay? Yeah, not bad at all. I mean, you scored both goals. That must have been uh, some feeling afterwards. Yeah,
2: it's great to score against one of the best Scots in the world, but uh, the most important thing was the three points because we needed it, you know, with the results that had gone on earlier in the day went against us a little bit and we found ourselves in the bottom two and it's probably the perfect way to react by beating one of the big ones and hopefully we can take confidence from that and go on for the rest of the season.
0: That's an interesting point, isn't it? Because people like us in the media make a big deal of the victory over Manchester United but three points is three points no matter who they come against so it's important to keep picking up those points, isn't
2: it? Yeah, uh, beating Man United is great but... It's not worth it if you don't beat Southampton the following week and that's who we play. So it's great beating them, but let's say, most importantly, three points. And At the end of the day, that's all it is. It's is three points that it pushed us right up the table again and gives us a little bit of breathing space and hopefully we can go on a runoff winning game.
0: Now, David Moyes, just going back to your goals, described your second as a worldie, Charlie. Um, you can't have hit too many better than that, can you, be honest?
2: No, I've not. no as I've been playing, you know, it was a great strike and, let's say, first enough, I went the back of the net and the important thing is we won the game. The lads won the game, and that's the most important thing for me. Yeah, it's nice to score two goals, but the important
0: thing was the win. And seventh and eighth of the season, that was as well. Lots of energy from your performance, too. You you must be really happy with your your form uh, at the moment.
2: Yeah, it's gone well. You know, at the end of the day, people look at what you do, and as a midfielder, I think it's important that you score goals, and, you know, if you can get to double figures, you know, that's a good return from a midfielder. So I'm too shy of that at the moment, and um, there's plenty of games to come. So I've got a target I would like to get to, and hopefully I could reach that.
0: And how important is, is the momentum you get from that Manchester United result, Charlie? I mean, it was six league matches without a win, wasn't it, before that? It, did you really take that on now to that Southampton fixture and beyond?
2: Yeah, but the games that we'd lost, I think, in the six, we'd, we'd played well enough to win the game. We went to 10 men against the way, and we dominated the game. We played OK at Crystal Palace, but... We never really created too much, but um, we were always confident we could, especially at the Britannia, we could beat anybody. And our away record is poor. We know that, and we, it's only us that can change
0: it. Yeah, and Southampton are a very different challenge this season to what they have been in, in previous seasons. That's now a bona fide a tough fixture, that, isn't it?
2: Oh, they're a good side. They've got good players, you know. Lallana, Rodriguez, Lambert, Schneider. And, you know, they're a top side, and uh, we know it's going to be difficult. We got a football against them the last time we played them at home. We Asmir scored, scoring, so... It's a difficult game, and they're going well. But I say if we keep solid and compact then hopefully we can get something. Any point away from home is, is a good one but we're looking to win the game as well.
0: I heard Martin Keown the other day just talking about the relegation situation he talked about when he was at Villa and they ended up going down actually didn't they but he mentioned how important it is not to look at the table and to keep improving your personal form. I, I guess this season when you know that win moved you up to 11th that's more important than, than ever isn't it? <laughs> Don't look at the table because it will yeah, lie a lot to you.
2: Yeah that is it but the important thing is if you focus on your own team and you win the, the number of games that you, you need to win and you know you you don't go in a run of too many defeats and you worry about yourself then you could be okay and that's the important thing if you start what, looking at tables and wondering where you're going to get your next points from I think you get caught up in the whole dramatic of the relegation but we will just concentrate on what we're doing we know that what we're doing is right and if we can keep Performing to that level, then we'll be okay at the end of the season.
0: And just finally, a question from one of our listeners. We've got many around the world, Charlie, uh, all keen to ask you questions. From uh, uh, from Lil Pwig is the Twitter handle, uh, which is imaginative. But uh, um, who's the player you look up to the most? Is uh, is the question. And also, who taught you what you know about football? It might might be the same person, I suppose.
2: The players that are you know that have played and that I play at the moment in my position are the ones that you look at because you know they're the best in the game at the moment. So they're the type of players that I look at and, and try and take things from what they do in the games and what types of runs or movement, you know things they do in the game that could help me. But people that taught me the game was my dad. He was the one that helped me and encouraged me and, and showed me on the right path. And that was the influence that you had on me. And I'm grateful for, for everything that done for
0: me. Charlie, thank you. Uh, thanks very much indeed for your time. Uh, much appreciated. And uh, nice to talk to you much. as well, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, really nice to hear there from Charlie. F and that takes Stoke. We were talking about it, weren't we, in the interview up to 11th. Uh, a defeat would have left them in the relegation zone. That's how crazy things are in the bottom half at the moment.
4: Yeah, you know, you just have to keep believing that, you know, a win will jump you up a couple of places. It'd be nice to put back to back wins, uh, but very few teams in the bottom half right now have been able to do that throughout the season. So don't take your eye off the ball. Don't be looking too much at what everyone else is doing in the league. Just try and get those wins. And it doesn't matter who's coming to your ground. At home, you should be looking to win your matches. still got an all important win at home against Man United. Uh, so it just takes that pressure off Mark Hughes a little bit, of course, until next week.
0: Yeah, and as for United, talking of week on week pressure, The defeat was their eighth in the league this season. It leaves them down in seventh spot in the table and things are not getting any easier for manager David Moyes.
2: Well, I don't know what we'll have to do to win, but uh, we played well today. We lost a a wicked deflection from a free kick. We lost the second one to a world of a a strike. But the amount of opportunities and chances we made today, we should have have won the game out of sight with the amount of opportunities we had. So it's only ourselves to blame, but it was a good performance. But I thought they all played well today. Mm thought Robin got us a goal, played well. Juan Mata played well. Wayne played well. We just couldn't get the second or third goals that was required to get something out of the game.
0: So, come on, Effen, are they unlucky or are they not good enough? Which which one is it at the moment for Manchester United? Bit of both. Certainly good enough in the final third.
4: Creativity, ability to score goals. Nothing wrong with that front three and one or two other players behind them. But uh, there's... A lack of control throughout enough of their matches, especially at home. The, the crowd are getting nervous, at Old Trafford in particular. And they shake it at the back. You know, they don't have a solid back four right now. Uh, Vidic is, is not, not quite the player he was. He doesn't have that comfort of an outstanding Rio Ferdinand alongside him. And me personally, I don't think that the other defenders in the squad are good enough or have not shown to be good enough in, in the last season or two for them to really be a top partner for Vidic. Um, so, yeah, David Moy's got some work to do
0: to rectify that in the summer. Yeah, both Evans and Jones went off injured, uh, if you want to use that as an excuse, uh, at the weekend. Uh, top four finish looks even more remote, though. They're seven points behind Liverpool in fourth now. They they're going to need to go some. And, yeah, exactly, they need some yeah. help from above, won't they? Well, the chances of both, uh, well,
4: of Liverpool, Everton and Tottenham tripping over themselves, United will probably need to beat them in the reverse fixtures, uh, those three teams, to really take a stranglehold on fourth place. And I don't see it happening. So, as I said, you know, they're going to uh, hope that those three teams will drop points elsewhere work.
0: Well, another of United's challengers for fourth are Everton, who scored twice in the last 16 minutes to secure a dramatic 2-1 victory over Aston Villa at Goodison Park on Saturday, and manager Roberto Martinez was proud of the reaction shown by his players.
1: It was as difficult test as you can fun in football. To be able to score a goal from open play under those circumstances is a real test of understanding the space and understanding how you can break a team down And the first goal is as good as it gets. So we never accepted defeat. We always had something extra. We always had an extra hand. And it was a real joy to watch the players enjoying the football under the worst possible circumstances. It is important that the team never accepts defeat, never, never uses an excuse not to perform. And today you got a, a clear example of that.
0: Martinez's 100th win in English football, a real UR football moment that, and it was crucial that they bounced back from a 4-0 hiding, which is what it was in the Derby. Yeah,
4: that was a real trouncing, unfortunately, for the blue half of Merseyside. Uh, But I had no doubts really that they would put up a a good performance, especially at home, against an improving Aston Villa side. Uh, But no, they've got some good players at Goodison Park. As I said, Tottenham, Liverpool and Everton is going to be a real scrap, and
0: Man United, of course, a real scrap for fourth. Just two points off fourth, no Lukaku could be an Mm. issue. Though as for Villa, they remain in tenth despite the defeat but, of course, as previously discussed, they can still be dragged into the relegation fight. Although talk that Lambert is, is discussing a new contract, which might just add some stability.
4: I don't think that should make too much of a difference. I think, you know, that he's done quite a good job considering he's had to have a large-scale cull, if you like. Lots of the experienced players have gone and he's trying to bring a, a younger, energetic and more malleable group of players into the squad. So Randy Lerner, I'm sure, will be pleased the way things have gone in the main so far. And, of course, Villa, for me, have been better away from home. There's been a less pressurised atmosphere. Fantastic win against West Brom and Chalbion. Uh, you know the game before but you know I think away from home they'll get as many points as they will do at Villa Park
0: well to Villa's Midland rivals West Brom next who also came up against Merseyside opposition at the weekend as they held Liverpool to a creditable 1-1 draw at the Hawthorns and that's a good point isn't it for for Pepe Mel against a free scoring Liverpool side a very good point but I think
4: they were fortunate to catch Liverpool on the back of a a massive win for them and the Merseyside derby but also the team were jaded And I was at the Hawthorns. Liverpool played well for about 10 minutes. I would say they played really well. And that was probably just after they scored the goal. But apart from that, uh, West Brom in the second half uh, with a better side. They dominated in midfield. Liverpool just didn't have that edge, really, to to go on and score the second goal. Suarez had a great chance. Good save from uh, Ben Foster. Uh, But... Once West Bromwich had been scored, they were the better
0: side and Liverpool were fortunate in some way you know, to, to come away with a point themselves. Well, the former Everton man, Victor Inicibi, scored the Baggies equaliser and the striker was pleased to contribute from the bench.
5: It's always nice to score. Um, I was sitting on the side, you know, itching to get on. I felt like today I was going to, you know, come
4: on and, you know, help the team even though, you know, I wasn't playing from the start but, you know, the team, they did ever so well. Sido and Vid, you know, they did well to work the Liverpool defence down and I just came on, you know, in the past sometimes I might have switched off but, you know, today especially, you know, against Liverpool. I was ready
0: and finished it. Yeah, formerly of Everton, and he spoke about how many of his friends were texting him afterwards, yeah. thanking him for, uh, for getting that equaliser. It was, a, it was a shocker, though, from Colo Torre, who had a poor game and rounded it off with that pass across the 18-yard box that Anicibi gratefully snapped up.
4: If that was a John Flanagan or Kelly at right-back making that pass, I can understand they're feeling pressurised, uh, you know, but not for someone like Colo Torre. Cost Liverpool, um, you know, the opportunity to go on and hold on for the extra two points. But um,
0: I, in the end, I think it was it was a good point for Liverpool. Well, as for Liverpool, it, it could prove to be two crucial points dropped, I guess. Uh, but manager Brendan Rodgers refused to blame Kolo Torre afterwards.
5: I will never criticise my players for trying to play football. You know, we look to build a game from behind. That has won as many games this season, our ability to play and to construct the game from behind. Sometimes it will cost you. Today was, unfortunately, one of those days. But Kolo Torre's been brilliant. There's no blame on him.
0: Is their defence... Going to cost them, FN Is that long term? Long term, this season, I mean, a worry for them. Should they have reinforced in the transfer
4: window? The one just gone? I don't think so. I think the defense has actually played quite well. You could argue that the first choice defense is actually out right now: Aga, Sarko, Enrique, and Glenn Johnson. So the guys who have been asked to do a job in the last few weeks, I think, have played well. I think they're lacking in midfield. There's a lack of physicality in there. Stephen Gerrard is not quite you know the action man that he was um, throughout you know that has been the last ten or twelve years. Uh, but they've got enough, I think, you know, to finish uh, fourth, and uh, that is their target this season. Of course, winning the FA Cup would be nice, but I think they would take Champions League over the trophy this year.
0: Coming up, we'll be speaking to a former Sunderland goal hero about a dramatic Tyneweer derby and hearing from one of Southampton's brightest young stars we finished the first half of the show discussing Liverpool. We managed to grab a few words with a Reds legend earlier this week. Barclays reporter Owen Blackhurst has been speaking to John Barnes about Liverpool's title chances, his football heroes and his dedication to the game.
6: Owen began by asking the former winger about his earliest inspiration. Well, of course, my dad played football for Jamaica. He managed the team. He became president of the Jamaica Football Federation. In the Caribbean, people have a little bit of a misconception that cricket is the number one sport, and I suppose it is, if you look you know, worldwide in terms of the impact it's had. But football is still the most popular sport played on the streets. So growing up, I always played football. But in terms of global football, my first inspiration came from West Germany 1974, because my dad went to the 1972 Olympics, it brought me back my first pair of football boots, and the 72 Olympics was in Munich. So my first pair of football boots were Adidas Gerdmulland. So, 74, West Germany against Holland, Muller Beckenbauer, Overath, you know, they were fantastic. And I love German the football. Then coming to England in 1976, I quickly found out that we were supposed to like the Germans. <laughs> so, um, that's when I started saying that Brazil and Pelé are my heroes. But I'm confident enough now to put the record straight that West Germany was my favourite team. Was
0: there one particular player you looked at and thought, I'm going to be like
6: him. Wolfgang Overath. He was a number 10. He was left-footed. He wore tight shorts like I was. I got on, I think that's just a coincidence. But um, Wolfgang Overath was my all-time favourite player. And was there any lessons, your dad, in terms of the way you played and the way you carried yourself? And was there any early lessons he gave you and how you should be? All the lessons my family gave me were discipline. Discipline, discipline. No matter how good you are. If you haven't got discipline, you can achieve nothing. Because when my friends were going out and getting drunk and you know coming in at 3 in the morning, I wasn't allowed to. And I hated it because I wanted to. It's only later on when you appreciate the discipline that they actually <laughs> instilled in me. Because, as I said, there's so many good players around, and how many players don't make it because of that? And that's what I try and do with my children as well. And uh, just finally, what do you think of the current team? How do you think the job, done He's done a great job. He's done a great job. Um, what I like about him is that, and what I like about the team is that they don't seem to be, as much as people are appreciated, over reliant on any one player. Suarez is taking all the plaudits, but you can see when they've played without Suarez and they still play well because he's putting in place a template and a pattern of play and a method which means that all players who are good players can play in it and be successful. Jordan Henderson for me typifies that because if you give as he's given Jordan Henderson strict instructions as to what he wants to do where he wants him to go when he wants him to do it and you can see Jordan benefiting from it with better players yes we can move up I think if we can keep our best 11 fit and consistently playing well we can maybe even win it but history has shown us that we're not going to keep our best 11 and playing consistently well for the whole season but next season we can slowly get better and stronger and sign better players and then be more consistent so yeah I think we can finish fourth this year
0: well, that was John Barnes with Owen Blackhurst. I'm here with the former Norwich striker Effin Nakoku. Uh, John Barnes spoke there about the discipline and how important that is when you're becoming a pro footballer. Did you find that yourself? Was that was that a key thing? Yeah, he's absolutely right. You know, there's you know,
4: there's lots of talk about how much you know money young footballers are. They love to use that phrase "overnight sensation." No such thing. You know these guys have been making sacrifices sometimes from the age of eight or nine, and uh, most certainly when they become teenagers, they're making choices that others. You know, who are playing a profession. Uh, others who have been in and then jump out are not willing to make, and that's why you know they get to where they are.
0: And he said as well his favourite player, which surprised me, was Wolfgang Overath from that great West German side of the early 70s. Well, he had a good left foot overath. Yeah, he I wasn't remember. bad. He yeah. wasn't bad. And there was a set of forward who you must have quite admired, Gert Muller, in that side as well. Um, but who's your favourite, your sort of greatest ever international player, your Overath, if you like? Oh, my favourite is Maradona, without question. You know, better than Messi. Different, uh, you know, but better than almost any other player that I've ever seen, along with Johan Cruyff. So Overath, classy, left foot, wide player, obviously rubbed off on John Barnes. What happened with you and Maradona? <laughs> I was right-footed, unfortunately. You know, so it
4: just didn't quite work. <laughs> I yeah. knew there was yeah. a difference. It about was the, five inches tall. It was I the think. height and the yeah. fact you
0: were right-footed. Anyway, for more on John Barnes, check out our Barclays Football Facebook page and at Barclays Footy on Twitter. Well, back to the weekend's action. Now we'll head to St James's Park next for the small matter of the Tyne Wear Derby, where for the second season in a row, Sunderland romped to an emphatic three-nil win at their arch rivals Newcastle, two in a row, uh, both by the same scoreline. Incredible achievement, F. Eh? It is, uh, you know, the Black Cats.
4: Uh, they'll just be they'll love going back to St James's Park next uh, next season, won't they? Assuming they stay up in the division, of course. Uh, what can I say? Gus Poy has done a tremendous job in the last couple of months, and uh, they've got a couple of players who've been in great form: uh, Keesung Young, Adam Johnson has been great for them. Lee Catamall,
0: if he stays on the pitch, you know, can be a big, big player for them. So no reason why they can't stay up. Well, one of Sunderland's star men on Saturday was again the in-form Adam Johnson, as you've touched upon. He admits the squad's full of belief at the moment.
3: I think even coming in on the bus, I think the lads were quietly confident. I mean, with what had happened, losing a couple of a couple of the key players, and I think we were more confident than they were. And I mean, I think that's sure. I think the three points were probably the most important thing, but it just adds a bit. of bit extra special to the day obviously being on your, your rivals ground
0: so a superb display from Adam Johnson and Sunderland a man at St James's Park for that win was Black Cat's former striker Marco Gabbiadini now there is a name from the past thanks for joining us Marco good morning how are you yeah not bad at all thank you it, deja vu wasn't it 3-0 last season as well it's becoming a habit for Sunderland this
5: yeah um a nice habit to have you know I think Sunderland probably over the last two or three decades, haven't enjoyed the greatest results in the derbies. But, you know, I think that's unbeaten in five now. Obviously, two 3-0 victories at St. James's and points that we really need as well, which, you know, makes it even more important. But you know, for local bragging rights, it's such a big thing, isn't the Be all and end all. But you know, a, a great afternoon.
0: And the Sunderland fans at the moment saying there are rumours St James's Park is going to be renamed the O3 Arena. But we'll we'll see about that next season. Um, <laughs> Adam Johnson got the second goal. Is seventh in the Barclays Premier League this season. Um, he's been fantastic on recent form, and, and he could be on a plane to Brazil in the summer, couldn't
5: he? I think after the Fulham game, someone asked him that question rather cheekily after after his hat trick there. You know, I probably thought that was a bit premature. But actually, since then, he's just backed it up and backed it up and he's a quality player we haven't seen the best of him i'm sure adam would be the first to admit that as an ex player it's an easy thing to stand there and, and criticize but i think it, you know he hasn't come and done what we hoped him to do but i think a lot of that has been to do with the way that we've been set up as a team he's just really attacking the ball a couple of his goals have come from follow-ups off shots which as a team was Playing further up the field, and that's really benefited him.
4: Marco, just looking ahead. You've obviously got the League Cup final to look forward to uh, against Man City. I was in the Midlands at the weekend and I bumped into a couple of Birmingham City fans. Now they yes. obviously won the League Cup uh, a few years ago, beat Arsenal, but they've been relegated. Uh, would you take winning the week, uh, League Cup over staying up this season? Uh
5: yeah, that's the, that's the sixty thousand dollar question. Is it? I think um, it's a bit um, more um, than that, isn't it? Actually, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. sixty-five-one million. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, um, fans crave success don't they and, and trophies are success and, and we've got to be realistic in, in the modern era you know a cup victory a cup win I think if you talk to some Birmingham fans and, and Wigan fans, I think they would actually take that over survival Sunderland have a good record of going up and down you know they've done yeah. it a lot this is their longest spell in the top flight I think since the 50s I mean, I'm a Sunderland supporter. I follow the club because, you know, I had so many happy years then, and I've got into it with my son as well. But I'm not a born and bred Sunderland. I'm maybe not qualified to answer that question, Ethan and' i sitting on the fence there a bit?
4: Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, <laughs> we think, you know, most of the Sunderland fans, you know, would take that very Because you said you know, the club is yo-yoed anyway.
5: I think so. There's a chance that we could do it. I'm not right. You know, I'm not one of these people who just says oh, it's Man City we're going to get stuffed. I think uh, you know anything can happen in a game of football as, as, as you and I know
0: very well. Well, finally, Marco, you scored plenty of goals in just four years for Sunderland. Plenty of kids, I'm sure, in the North East with Gabbiadini on their shirt, if they could afford all those letters. Um, But who was
5: your hero uh, growing up? Oh gosh yeah, that's a good question um Brian Robson was a bit of a hero of mine I, it that doesn't sound very sexy, does it you know with with all the top players, but I just really liked his sort of never say die attitude and and uh, the way he just sort of you know could also rely on him on a goal if it was a tough situation. he was always a fighter and 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 a, and a good footballer as well, so he was a bit of a of a hero of mine when i when I was younger and I remember that goal in the a few seconds of the World Cup in Spain 82. So yeah, he, he was a bit and luckily enough, I, I played against him in, in a few games towards you know the end of his career. Thanks
0: very much Mark, That's brilliant stuff and uh, thanks no for problem. your time as well mate, much appreciated.
5: Yeah, no problem.
0: Yeah, lovely to hear from uh, Marco Gaviadini there. That was a Sunderland view. As for Newcastle, manager Alan Pardew had no complaints afterwards. The better team won for sure. We didn't really um, look our usual selves today. Maybe we was too hyped up for it, I don't know. But everybody was giving the ball away and a little bit unlike us. And uh, we struggled, to be honest. Uh, Obviously, we're taking two big parts of our goal scoring out of the team. And we're going to have to reflect on this game,
6: look at ourselves and make sure that we're strong between now and the end of the year. And maybe uh, we need to go back to basics a little bit.
0: So Cabai sold, not replaced. Remy suspended. They're the two mm. players he's talking about. And yep. news breaking overnight that Joe Kinnear, the man who was brought in to, to deal with all of that stuff, quite controversially, has uh, has resigned, F. And uh, someone that you know pretty well. Yeah,
4: I'm surprised that uh, Joe has decided to jump ship. It's been interesting the last last couple of months when Newcastle didn't buy anybody in the in the first uh, window before the season started, just as the season was getting underway. You know, uh, he was blamed, and all of a sudden the team went on a good run, and everybody, of course, you know, you know, gave the praise to Alan Pardie and to the players. Um, of course, you know, they've not done business that they'd like to have done. Maybe they quite just quite haven't got the money, or players don't want to come to Newcastle. you know, did anybody ever think about that? You know, the, the team has been a little bit inconsistent, but all the teams outside of the top three or four have been throughout the campaign.
0: But. You Surely, if you... Uh, no, this isn't any disrespect to Joe Kinnear, because mm. we don't know the internal workings, but if you sell your best player by, by some distance and don't replace him, well, you're not, not going to finish in the European places, are no, you? No, you're not. But
4: they shouldn't have sold him, un- unless uh, Kabai was uh, effectively planning to down tools, which I doubt, because he wanted to move in some summer. PSG, wanted him then, they decided to keep him. And, yeah, you know, they probably shouldn't have sold him, unless they'd actually brought somebody in, as many clubs have done, as Chelsea did with Juan Mata, until they brought in Salah, Mahmoud Salah, from Basel. They weren't going to let Mata join Man United. And that's why Newcastle did not say, yes, you can leave if we can bring somebody in. And if PSG want to give us a little bit more money to help us fund a deal for somebody else, and then we'll do the deal.
0: Uh, to Upton Park uh, next, where West Ham held on to record a priceless 2-0 win over Swansea after having to play the last half hour with 10 men. And it was that heralded partnership up front, the old, the old mates, if you like, Andy Carroll and Kevin Nolan, which did the damage. It was Nolan twice set up by Carroll. And that's why some of us has been so keen to get the big man back in action.
4: And Nolan was a benefit again, and you know he was—he's been subdued all season. He's sent off a couple of times, lost his uh, discipline on a few occasions. Being captain as well, that's been disappointing. But he feels free again—that uh, ability, you know, to sneak in unmarked in, in a penalty box. And Andy Carroll just needs to get on the score sheet himself.
0: If he does, then he goes up another level again. Yeah, well, let's hear from the West Ham manager now, Sam Allardyce, who's well aware of the areas in which they need to improve.
5: Let's get the goals. You know, racked up on the average as far as we're concerned to be greater because we've had 11 clean sheets this year and nobody else is greater than us in terms of not conceding a goal and two of those clean sheets have come with ten men so we've got the basis of being solid and making sure that we give a, give the opposition no chances or few chances which gives us a platform to go on and win football matches on a more regular basis. As
0: for Swansea this was their fourth defeat in five and moves them to within two points of West Ham and that dreaded drop zone and and here's something for you Effan: 65% possession. But not a single shot on target. Does that stat sum up Swansea more than any other could do? Yeah, they've had um,
4: they've had a little bit of poor luck in some of the games that I've seen them. Actually, they've had quite a few injuries this season. Bonnie's missed a few games earlier on. who has been a big miss for them on many occasions, and uh, just not that quite that punch in the final third. Of course, you know they're a much more vaunted side than they were last season. Uh, when I wouldn't say that they were underrated or overlooked a little bit, but you know, just riding that crest of a wave, they won the league cup. So looking forward to see them, seeing the season out. And I think they'll be happy with mid-table. Of course, one or two more defeats, and then they get really dragged into it.
0: Well, the mighty Mitch, uh, should be back from injury soon, it'll give them a boost. Of course, they've got the South Wales derby this weekend. That's against the Cardiff side, who recorded a crucial 2-1 home win over Norwich on Saturday to move them off the bottom of the table. They were one down at half-time, but then two goals in two second-half minutes turned things round for Ole Gunnar Salchard's men. Those are two key minutes, aren't they? in Cardiff's season.
4: Yeah, they could be because I felt um, the way things were going, uh, Solskjaer wasn't able to get off to a great start in in terms of the league. And I had them uh, down really. And uh, Fulham along with them, and then a question of one team from about four or five. But, you know, that could be a huge turning point in their season. And against Norwich, you know, that if you're able to, to lead against them, they're, they're not a side who are particularly creative. And, you know, so for them, you know, to outplay Cardiff on their own ground
0: and come away with nothing would be very disappointing. Well, let's hear from a relieved Dolly Gunnar a now after his first league win as Cardiff boss.
3: You know, when you, you were a player, you're thinking, where's the next goal going to come from? Because you never know, you have to be there at the right moment. And I, I used to think about, what if I get a chance? That's the same with management. You you look for the next win, but you're never sure until you're over the line. And today was uh, great, yeah.
0: Yeah, two key contributions from deadline day signings as well. Wilfred Zaha and Kenwin Jones both coming on and uh, influencing the game. As for Norwich, the defeat drops them down to fifteenth, just too clear of the relegation zone. They they were in fairness, F and very unlucky not to get anything. David Marshall once again was uh, was unbelievable in the in the Cardiff goal.
4: Yeah, they were, but you have to be more clinical, you know. It's, um, in, in the reverse fixture early on at Carrow David Marshall was superb again, um, made. a Lots of good saves. Norwich missed a couple of chances. But their strikers are not fire. You know, Hooper's uh, done quite well, I think, since he signed from Celtic. Uh, but Van Woolter and Kiln has been disappointing for me. You know, so they've not had, you know, that ability, you know, to finish teams off. So it's a tough times ahead to at Carrow Road. 27 shots
0: at goal they had and mm. still couldn't uh, break them down. It is a lot, yeah. With you in the side, F? Who knows? Could have been 6 yeah. 2. But anyway, a place below Cardiff and propping up the rest at the foot of the table of Fulham, who went down 3 0 to a clinical Southampton side at Craven Cottage. Uh, yes, Southampton were terrific, but things are not looking good, are they, for René Molenstein? Five defeats in six, Effin.
4: Yeah, they're in horrendous form, especially at home, where traditionally they've been strong in the last 10 years or so in the Barclays Premier League. So I really don't see them getting out. As I said, talked earlier on, they brought him Mitroglou, um, who didn't play, you know, wasn't registered in time. Holtby, I thought, actually did quite well. But I really don't see where goals are coming from. And Hangalondo, although he's back in the side now from injury, you know, they look very, very shaky at the back. Uh, But credit to Southampton, because they um, are the outstanding team for me so far this season in terms of bringing... English players through and perform well. Pochettino has done a fantastic job.
0: Yeah, as for Southampton, an impressive performance, as you say. They're England front three all getting on the score sheet. We can hear from one of them now. I know you like him a lot, F and Adam Lalala, who's not getting distracted by recent talk of his World Cup selection.
3: We just want to keep our feet on the ground and keep concentrating on our team performance. Playing under under the gaff, he's, he's getting the best out of all the players and um, we feel we can maybe push up the league from now towards the end of the season. We want to focus on continue playing well, creating chances for each other, scoring goals for our clubs and and the better we do for our clubs the more more chances we'll have on an international basis
0: well uh, he's been stunning all three of them have I mean people aren't he's in the squad isn't he people aren't talking about that I mean he might be in the team Adam Lallana in Mm. terms of England and the World Cup but 24 Barclays Premier League goals between the three of them There, there is a chance they could all three go to the World Cup but Lallana's there isn't he
4: three great goals three outstanding performances Lallana for me is the most accomplished wide play that England has right now. I would have him as my first-choice wide player. For retention to the World Cup, in, in, in any World Cup, in any international game is important. Uh, in South America, where the climate will be hot and humid and you want to be able to force the opposition to run around, then you need players like that. And uh, as I said, he'd, he'd, he'd be on the plane right now.
0: Yeah, that, remember, is a man who's played in the World Cup, so he knows what he's talking about there, Efna of Nigeria. Um, Adam Lallana's 250th Southampton appearance, Ricky Lambert's 100th league goal for the Saints, incidentally. And another of Southampton's emerging England stars, I don't think he's going to make it to this World Cup, but maybe in the future, is 19-year-old midfielder James Ward-Prowse. Last weekend, Barclays teamed up with the Southampton FC Foundation and the Hampshire charity Youth Options to organise a football training session for a group of 30 local children. And the youngsters were stunned when the England under-21 midfielder turned up to watch them play. Our reporter, Lee Warner, spoke to him about life at St Mary's, and the weekend Barclays initiative.
3: It's great. It's obviously nice uh, to, to be involved with, with the younger kids, and um, you know, I think when I was a young age, it was nice to, to have people like this come and, uh, and, and help out. So it's great. And when you were a kid, if someone had said this sort of session was going to be put on for you, what sort of players would you have loved to have seen? Who were your heroes growing up? Well, no, obviously I'd like to see like of David Beckham and Stephen Gerrard and stuff like that. Um, but they weren't really around this area. But any footballer coming to inspire is great. And how important do you think it is for footballers to give back to the community with things like this? Massively, you know, like. I said, said when i was young i used to have players come and uh, you know give me support and that inspired me to go on to the next level and you know we've all been every professional footballer has been at this level and, uh, and and you know experience these sort of sessions so it's important that you know you help them along the way like they helped you and as a young english player what advice would you give to a young aspiring footballer today who maybe you know wants to get into football you know you don't get anywhere without hard work you know that counts in all, in all walks of life you know whether you're a footballer or you're a, you know you're in an office job you need to work hard to get to the top and uh, that's something that i definitely would advise any young player
0: Two things about Southampton and the youth policy. We heard from Jason Dodd on this very show, and he does a sterling job with them at the academy. But a manager's got to have the faith to play them as well, and Pochettino does. Yeah, he has. And sometimes, you know, your hand is
4: forced here at one of the smaller clubs. You don't, you don't get the opportunity to spend 15, 20 million uh, each on, on a few outstanding players. So, like Jack Cork getting opportunities to play. You know, the, we mentioned in front three as well, Luke Shaw as well, at full-back, who looks as if he's destined for bigger and better things. Saddamton, a, a well-run football club, and as I said, you know, it's nice to see English players playing for one of the for one of the good teams on a regular basis.
0: Well, we round off the weekend's matches at the KC Stadium, where Hull and Spurs cancelled each other out in a one-all draw. On the score sheet for Hull for the first time was the home debutant Shane Long, who's looking forward to forging a potent partnership with fellow frontman Nikita Jelovic.
3: If I get the ball out wide, I know that he's going to be in the box attacking it, so um, I don't really have to look and I kind of have an idea where to put the ball and uh, I looking forward to the partnership we, we can have. Hopefully we can bring something to the squad, you know, hopefully a few more goals and pick up points here and there and the quicker we get to 40 and safe, the better, you know, and um, I think our team is definitely, definitely good enough to be here next season.
0: Important point, that, you know, for Hull. Uh, that long strike was Hull's first league goal of 2014, halted a run of four straight defeats. I mean, they're still not out of it, are they, Hull? They, they've started so well, but teams can sink like a stone, Effen.
4: Tellingly, you know, their goal difference at minus seven is good enough, just like West Ham's at minus nine. You know, that uh, will be an extra point come the final, I reckon. Of course, if they're level with teams with a hugely inferior goal difference, like Fulham, right now minus thirty-one, and just um, you know re-energising the squad—that's what Steve Bruce has done. So long and Yelovich. You've not been a good goal-scorer scoring former, has to be said at their previous clubs at like West Brom and Everton, respectively. You know, but better goal scorers and more regular threats certainly than Josie Altidore. And Steve Bruce is just hoping that you know two fresh strikers willing to impress will turn the tables for them.
0: And well, I guess a good point in the end for Spurs—a great second half, Paulinho strike. Are they still in the hunt in terms of the European places? Champions League places. Oh, Spurs are oh, without doubt. You know, considering that they're only a few points behind Liverpool, they're in fourth right
4: now. I think they've got a better squad uh, than Liverpool. Probably, uh, certainly, physically a better side and, and more talent, uh, more creativity than Liverpool. Not quite, but you know, they're good enough to overhaul Liverpool without doubt. And those games are all about the crucial uh, games. You know, for Arsenal. Same for Liverpool, Tottenham, and Everton and Man United. When they play each other, you know, you can't come out in a negative if you do, and then you're hoping that they slip up
0: against the weaker size, which they've not done too often this season. Interesting, you know, Liverpool's goal difference is 29, mm. uh, Spurs' yeah. is minus one, yeah. and uh, there's still not that much between them. It's interesting, just three points between them uh, for all that disparity. Let's take a quick look at some of this weekend's Barclays Premier League fixtures. Liverpool feature heavily. Uh, they're the early game on Saturday. They're at home against Arsenal. The three o'clock's at Villa West Ham, Chelsea, Newcastle. Norwich against an angry Manchester City. Southampton, Stoke, Sunderland, Hull, Palace against West Brom. And then Swansea, Cardiff, uh, rounds things off that South Wales derby. Then on Sunday, Tottenham against Everton and Manchester United against Fulham. What stands out for you, Ash?
4: Let's start with the fight for the title and fight for uh, fourth place. If you like Liverpool-Arsenal, the early game on Saturday, that's a huge one. Liverpool can't afford to lose. Arsenal, I think, will be pretty pleased with the points, you know, come... Uh, full-time. Uh, Tottenham Everton, yet again. Uh, but for me, that uh, basement battle, if you like, I'm going to be at Crystal Palace for their game against West Brom. Uh, right now, you know, they're both level on points, so uh, whoever comes out um, there would have put a nail in the coffin, almost, for the opposing side. And the way, the way Palace are playing
0: at home, you know, I expect them to get the three points. And uh, wherever you're listening, why don't you tweet us your predictions at Barclays Footy. Thanks very much indeed for your company, Effin. Uh Before we go, have a try at this week's trivia teaser. Uh, as we've been saying, Swansea host Cardiff on Saturday, and what's sure to be a passionate South Wales derby, and both both clubs have Scandinavian managers, Michael Laudrup and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But can you name the two other Scandinavian coaches to have managed in the Barclays Premier League? If you think you know the answer, tweet it to at Barclays Footy or post it onto the Barclays Football Facebook page and we'll reveal it on the site later in the week. We'll be back next week to review what's sure to be another topsy-turvy weekend of action, including Arsenal's trip to Liverpool, Spurs against Everton at White Hart Lane and what's sure to be a raucous South Wales derby. But until then, from Efe Nakoku and from me, Dave, Farah, goodbye. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Barclays Premier League, brought to you by Barclays.